So I want us to talk now about some of these crises of political legitimacy stemming from institutional rot, this inability to react to circumstances uh, that have happened in the past. And the first one that I'm going to do is going to be one that you'll be well familiar with. I mean, you'll be well familiar with all of these, but especially familiar with this, uh, which is the assassination of Tiberius Gracchus in 133 B.C., Oh, fuck, we're going to have the Silurites on our ass now. (laughs) (laughs) Silurites. Yeah. They are a thing. So there is is uh, an acquaintance of mine who has been pushing the Sulla meme. And just like whenever something happens, he just posts a picture of Sulla and sends it to people. Like he's been doing this for about the last four or five months, ever since the start of the pandemic. And it is picking up steam. So take that as you will. (laughs) Mm. So uh, can you you uh, just... um, for, for the benefit of our listeners, can you explain why the Sulla meme might be particularly appropriate now? Uh, so Sulla was, um, I think it's, it, you might call him the first real reactionary. Uh, I think so. Sulla's whole thing was like he's going to bring an end to decades of political disorder and just reimpose the old system. Uh, and the way that he did that was by spilling a lot of blood, killing a lot of people. It's it's interesting. Uh, Marius was actually implicated in a money laundering scheme involved in a car wash in Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like that. Like there's a there's a. A, a meme that's in dialogue with this, or like that is opposed to this, and that is the smug picture of James Connolly that says, "Oh no, I warned you about socialism, didn't I?" So I did. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, no, you you have to like, uh, it's entirely entirely apt to go back to history and like find find people to be smug with. Sorry, so Sulla. Yeah, so Sulla's whole thing was, we're just going to take it back to how it was before. Um, He instituted a whole series of basically constitutional reforms in the aftermath of spilling a very great deal of blood and uh, picking out a whole class of talented youngsters who would go on to eventually destroy the Republic. Like, so in the process of trying to make things the way they were before, because Sulla just does all this and then he retires. Like, he just goes and he goes off and he has like a very... Yeah, he he goes off and he has a very active and diverse sex life um, in in his, David in his retirement. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> Sola, Sola, really a fascinating character. Uh, but so he yeah. goes and does this and then he just retires and he's like, OK, I wash my hands of this. You've got the system. Now you can just preserve it forever. Not not really paying attention to the fact that he had just introduced a whole swath of the Roman elite to like, oh, no, you can just kill your opponents. That's like that's within the realm of possibility. That is now a an imaginable thing for us in the context of how our political system works. And so I think that's one of the relevant pieces for the present day is like, as we're watching all of this stuff happen, suddenly the range of the possible has expanded and you've got whole big groups of people who are, who are experiencing things like fighting riot cops. Like, Oh, you can just fight the cops. Like that's just a thing you can do now. Mm -hmm. Um, Or like, Oh, if we, if we do this wholly peaceful protest, they're probably still going to shoot rubber bullets and tear gas at us. Um, And, you know, 
on on the flip side of it, you have Tom Cotton broadcasting a call for uh, no quarter to insurrectionists in in the New York Times, like or yeah. a slightly cleaned up version of that in the New York Times. Like that now is also a part of the the living memory of people who are going to be shaping the political system for decades down the line. I think that's that's why the Sola thing matters. That's why the end of the Roman Republic is a good parallel for us is it's like none of these things happen in isolation. Like the, the institutions are going to shift even no matter how ossified you try and make them, no matter how much intentionality you, you put into trying to keep everything the way it is, uh, the actors within the system are going to see the shifts and they're going to think of different ways to do things. And so here's actually, this is, this, this is another example of kind of why sort of I bring up Gracchus specifically which is that, like, it, it, at the time of the Gracchan reforms were all, were basically land reform. So you know, somehow the CIA said, like, <laughs> yeah. one wide open in yeah. time, take over and kill him. But so, Argentum Gra- Corp. <laughs> so uh, the, the Gracchi, two brothers, b- both patricians, were champagne socialists. They were trying to create, basically, do this massive program of land reform because the Latifundia, who I, we talked about last episode, were basically. Uh, these massive farmers who were able to, every time a soldier would go out campaigning, uh, if it was a bad harvest, they would just be able to buy his farm without him knowing and then throw him, a Roman citizen, into destitution. Uh, and this was happening more and more and more, and a smaller and smaller number more of more. massive landowners Many such were, getting, cases. were getting way, way richer. And so the, the Gracchan reforms were basically saying, um, let's limit the amount of land someone can, someone can hold. And they were tribunes of the plebs. And they basically, um, both Tiberius and Gaius Gracchus, uh, when, while trying to solve an institutional problem in Rome that was causing tons of Roman citizens to become destitute um, at the, uh, let's say, but to the great benefit of like, you know, eight guys, um, they, um, they, they were just uh, assassinated, effectively. And so you can, and I think that I, I sort of, Every time I look at about the history of the end of the Roman Republic, it's like, yeah, the assassination of the Gracchi is always like a big part of the beginning of this. It's like, this is almost, it, I mean, this wasn't the crossing the Rubicon moment because, well, the crossing the Rubicon moment actually wasn't a metaphor for this, but this was kind <laughs> of a little bit like that, where it was like, no, the, the possibility, the possibility for, the, for this political system to keep delivering broad-based prosperity to the people it has promised broad-based prosperity to is now gone and we have no interest in fixing it. Yeah. And, you know, historians argue about the extent to which the Gracchi were actually trying to solve like a a genuine problem with this. Like, were these farmers really being turfed off their land while they were off on campaign? And answers vary. Some would say, no, this wasn't a problem at all. This was uh, this was an invented issue um, that the Gracchi were using to try and uh, like as a wedge for the Gracchi to try and give themselves power within the system. Others would say, no, this actually was a real issue. I think to some extent, it doesn't actually matter whether it was an issue or not. Um, what matters is that people thought it was an issue and that it the fact that it was a thing that these people um, used to get either to get traction or as a thing to solve means that it had valence. Like people were concerned about it. It spoke to some kind of broader ideological conflict or some broader crisis of faith within the system itself. And what matters is the response to it, how the how the other Roman elites responded to the challenge the Gracchi were giving far more than the, the the underlying problem. It's that they would not even countenance these tiny little changes. Like the Roman aristocrats were still going to be rich as shit. Like they were still going to have massive opportunities everywhere, all, all across the Roman world and, and beyond to profit 
from their burgeoning empire. They were still going to have access to the highest rates of military mobilization in the ancient world. Roman farmers were still going to leave their farms behind and go out to fight whatever bar- whatever group outside the technical borders of Rome was going to be around. They were still going to take slaves in huge numbers. They were still going to take plunder in huge numbers. The Roman elite was still going to benefit from this. All they had to do was give just a little bit. And the fact that they were not willing to do that is the salient point about the Gracchi, I think far more than anything else. Um, so I, I know it's been uh, it's been me talking quite a bit. Uh, Hussein, I want to get you in here before we move on to Watt Tyler. Uh, you can move on. Like I was really, I, I have like very little knowledge of classics, so like I was just sort of listening. So you can move uh, on. As a resident classicist, I'll just say that my brain is now infected with the concept of your Roman dad wandering around the corner. <laughs> okay. You see, the problem is, go all these fucking statues and naked boys. There's not a single statue of Winston Churchill. It's all got <laughs> Yeah, like, no, no, North FC, except he really like he really likes the red chariot team. I do. That's Camp- I mean, I, I, Campania FC. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was going to ask, like, what's the, what was like the Roman equivalent of North FC? But there we go. Yeah, chariot racing. <laughs> I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking about like the the concept of Roman liberals, and I'm thinking of like deranged priest Eric Garland being like, "Ah, oh, well, it's time. It's time for some Sibylline books theory." <laughs> no, I yet talk, more, I think I yet said- more violence at the Cisalpine Gold Transalpine Gold Derby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just I keep thinking of the uh, you know, the, the the town crier in in the HBO show Rome, which is just one of my favorite things ever. He'd be like. This uh, this announcement sponsored by the Guild of Bakers. Good Roman bread for good Romans. Uh, so I was <laughs> tweeting Casper about how mattresses. much I, I was tweeting about how much I enjoyed the HBO show Rome on a rewatch, and somebody responded, "Oh man, the 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 news the newsreader guy was the best part of that. The guy, the actor who played him, found the tweet and replied to it. He's like, I would 100 percent do that role again. It's like this." That, <laughs> I think that might have been me because <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. It was like the best notification ever to wake up to. I'm like, oh, I love that guy. He's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was me. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, so we're just okay. I I love like just not ever being able to keep track of who's who online. <laughs> just... <laughs> 